I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hello and welcome to So I Got to Thinking, your weekly Sex and City podcast where we look at the iconic questions of Carrie Bradshaw and answer them for 2022, which we are now in. Um, although, of course, normal proceedings are still on hiatus as week by week we tackle the latest offerings from And Just Like That. This week you are listening to Juno Dawson and Dylan B. Jones as ever. And we're very excited because one of our best ever guests has rejoined us once again it's friend of the podcast natasha devon mb hello hello welcome back how are you i'm good i'm breaking in a new sports bra (laughs) great dylan won't know the pain of this but they are really hard as sports bras they're really difficult yeah at the moment it is like um my boobs zero, bra one, but that will change. It's a, it's you an ongoing it battle. So the the first battle is getting it over your head because the the idea, <laughs> Dylan, a sports bra. The idea is it's to keep everything still, okay. while you bounce about. So you don't, basically. so you don't so hit yourself in the face. Basically, <laughs> yeah, um, and it can kind of hurt as well if your boobs are flying everywhere. You can't properly exercise. So the, a, a sports bra is way more compressive mm. if that's the word than a regular bra okay and so getting them on and off is a genuine mission and like there are times when you've kind of got to contort your body um that they're not easy so my heart goes out to you natasha <laughs> where where is this storyline in sex and the city that's that's what i want to know um <laughs> Well, the struggle is boobs, real for one actually no, that's not true charlotte charlotte has quite big boobs so um she she knows actually they all have big boobs now yeah that's true that's fair that's fair they've all got bigger boobs as they've headed into middle age um and this week we've been watching and just like that episode six which is called diwali um dylan mm. as ever i see you have a pot before you What's inside your pot? I do. It's a goo. Well, it's a in in honor of Seema. It's a leopard print goo brownie pot. <gasps> Ooh. <laughs> um, and what's inside the pot? Um. So we have um, Carrie looking for well, finding a new apartment, um, mm-hmm. and being unsure about it, but buying it anyway, <laughs> um, which must be nice. Um, and then um, actually, most of this episode kind of which which I wasn't mad at. 
kind of circles around Carrie and then the other characters come in. So like most of Charlotte's role this episode is sort of a mediator between like she's helping Carrie um, go through her stuff and then her and Miranda have like a little, um, not tryst, um, <laughs> that'd be a plot twist. Um, <laughs> another plot twist. Um, her and Miranda have some conflict uh, at the picnic. Uh, Miranda is... Um, still kind of figuring things out. Um, th- there's some major life things going on for Miranda still. Um, Seema is celebrating Diwali and she takes along Carrie. Um, and we get a great um, scene, especially considering our conversation a couple of weeks ago. We get some great just singular time with Naya and her storyline as mm-hmm. well. Um, so, yeah. Okay. So first of all, I need to say two things. One, the strange cooing noise you can hear is once again, I've come back to the office. It's the pigeon. It's the dove from above. Um, the when, from when above. I recall the, it's a sign from above, I, as Lady Gaga would say. It's a sign from above. Um, <laughs> when, when I record at the office, I'm afraid that the little booth, the little recording booth, is in the very rafters of the building. Whoever designed this didn't think it through. So yes, we are being joined by a second guest. We haven't just got Natasha Devon from LBC. We have... The pigeon. <laughs> so the pigeon is going to be with us. And second of all, and I'd be interested to know what you both think about this, I think I figured out what's not working for me with him just like that. It's the lack of voiceover. Interesting. Mm. Because, like, you know how in the olden days, the, the each episode would have, like, this bizarre theme, like compassion or cheating or threesomes and there would always be that voiceover to take the often very random plot lines and grasp them all together like meanwhile across town Miranda was having a different kind of threesome you know so what you're (laughs) left with with I'm just like that is often these different threads so Miranda and Che Charlotte and Rock Carrie and her apartment and nothing to stitch them together. So it can feel a bit like mm. you're just kind of drifting a little bit from one scene to the next without much forward momentum. Now, this this episode, it really stood out to me because it was... The, the big plot was, was Carrie getting on with, with moving on, you know, and opening her boxes of Big's old shit and moving into a new apartment... And so the big the big headline is it's meant to be a sh- it's meant to be an episode about moving on, but there isn't enough exposition or dialogue or anything to really convey that this is something that is affecting all three or five women, if we include Seema and Naya as well. So that's I think that for me is what the problem is. I've been struggling to put my finger on what wasn't quite working for me. But with this episode, I think it clicked. What do you both think? Let's start with Natasha. It's interesting that you say that, actually, Juno, because my big note from this episode is how meta it is. 
And I almost feel like there was voiceover without there being voiceover. There were times when I felt like Charlotte in particular in this episode was talking to the audience more than she was talking to the other characters. So, for example, when she says, why can't everything just stay the same or why can't people just stay the same? Or when they're having the conversation about how women aren't allowed to age um, that to me felt like almost an anticipation of the reaction that the audience would have to and just like that. And it also felt to me like the characters going, and here are the <laughs> yeah. themes of this episode, just in case you're struggling. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> these are the things we're grappling with this week. So I thought I, I felt it was something I was going to say and in fact put in my notes in episodes one and two, but didn't get round to it, is we said like there was so much exposition in particularly in the first 20 minutes of episode one and I think that was Michael Patrick King struggling with the fact that he didn't have a voiceover and that was mm. the problem um it's interesting though that uh, apart from that I think I feel like it got past it a little bit and I think it um I think it has got progressively better in many ways as it's gone on I really loved this episode what what did you guys think? I didn't love it as much as last week's episode. Yeah. Mm. But yeah. I, I loved it infinitely more than the episode before. Yes. <laughs> 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 so, well, maybe at the end of the series we'll rank the episodes. Yeah, and, and episode four was a low point. Um, I'm, I'm with Natasha, right? Mm. I, I didn't love it as much as last week's, which I thought was quite wonderful and we're still, I'm still seeing so many memes about yes. Miranda and Che. Yeah. Um, <laughs> amazing <laughs> but um yeah then this one again i just felt it ra it rambled along and you know see scenes where carrie is talking to her dishwasher um <laughs> is it's a bit and i i, I just think it's frustrating because and this is something you would have only known once you actually started filming how how much the voiceover could have saved them and i wonder if there was you know how i, I mean obviously sorry regular listeners jumping ahead to season six for a minute when Carrie goes to Paris to be with Alessandra Petrovsky and she doesn't take her laptop and then she gets back to New York at the very end of season six, she reopens her laptop and starts typing again. And we've always realised, oh, so her column is the voiceover kind of. And I wonder if Big's death, you know, is part of her grief, part of the way she dealt with her grief was to start writing again. And so there would have been an in-world reason for Carrie's voiceover to come back. Or it could have... Even if we didn't have it in episode one, it could have come back in episode two, where after the funeral, she opens her laptop and for the first time in years feels the urge to write. Um, and that's something I do, you know, I, as a writer. You know, I work through a lot of my therapy through writing. And, and so I, I, it bugs me. I think, because there was an in-world way that we could have quite organically brought Carrie's voiceover back as a vehicle for her to deal with her grief. And then we wouldn't have needed, like Natasha said, some quite overt dialogue. Mm. I found the scene really strange. There's, it's a blink-and-you'll-miss-it scene where Carrie's sitting with a, a knitted blanket over her knees reading a magazine in her apartment looking very content and then she says something like this is not normal and it, this isn't healthy, this isn't healthy. I think she says this isn't, this isn't healthy there you go and and if we'd had the voiceover we wouldn't have needed that but also I I, I have a real issue with that that scene generally because I feel like for a 
a show that for six seasons, and I know the world has changed since the original Sex and the City, but for six seasons really bought into that capitalistic, never be content with what you have. If you buy stuff, it's going to make you more fabulous and happy philosophy <laughs> to, <laughs> to um, suddenly have this main character saying, I'm content with what I have. And there's something wrong with that, inherently wrong with that. Um, really bugged me. And I know that she kind of reneges on that by the end, but it, it bugged me at the time when I was watching it. Hmm. And do you know what? It harks back to that amazing line in episode six, spoilers, where she screams at Miranda in the street that she says, I cannot be single for you. And that line, more than any other line in Sex and the City, I think was aimed at the audience, which was, you know, I, you know, this character can't be single forever just because you like her more when she has these single girl adventures. And I think, again, the this isn't healthy line was aimed at the audience, which is, do you really want this 50-something woman living in the one-bedroom studio apartment she lived in when she was in her early 30s? So again, it felt a bit like that that line was was aimed at us, um, which which leads us nicely into <laughs> Carrie's new apartment. Oh. Oh. <laughs> it reminds me horrible it remi- and also from a television point of view very hard to film because that's got to be a backdrop of the hudson because you couldn't actually rely on the weather to stay the same when you were filming so you get a horrid modern apartment with a painted on backdrop of new york it really makes me um, your dream apartment it's, it's really sad that like carrie has essentially i mean she's moved into a block of luxury flats hasn't she um, which is like, yes, she which is like really sad and really uncharacteristic of Carrie. But it made me think of like, um, obviously, we all make our decisions and we all have our different preferences about our living situations. And um, I'm sorry, Natasha, if you live in a very modern flat, I'm about to insult you. But I, if I, if I, um, I'm not. I'm not seeing. I would say we're staring into Natasha's flat yeah, right looks, now. Our house. It doesn't look I'm like not, a, It doesn't look. No, like I live it. in it a Victorian like conversion, so you're in. Lovely. You're in safe ground. Yes, but when I, if I, if a friend, um, and and this this happened recently, a friend, um, moved into, um, a new flat and invited me over to look around it and like gave me the tour as people do when they move into a new. And it was one of those brand new like box new builds and I just didn't know what to say I was like there is nothing about this that I like um <laughs> Did, is that what you opened with <laughs> <laughs> no I think I said I think I said something like are we much like Carrie's flat I was like I was I, I was like oh it lets the light in really well or something. <laughs> but, um, that was all I could gosh, say it's very modern oh, yeah. it's very modern that, that can when you know that can be a compliment gosh it's very modern <laughs> yeah. I have to say right I have uh, I have real world experience of this type of building because um, my parents moved last year and they bought this house that, so my mum is um, very good with interior design. She she used to work in the fashion industry when she was younger. And I think that she's kind of taken a lot of the skills that she had in terms of understanding what fabrics go together and things like that and, and sort of um, transposed it onto um soft furnishings um and she clearly walked into this building and went I have a vision for this building because now they've been living there for a while it looks great she's kind of broken up the space with room separators and rugs and and things like that but when they first bought this place everybody was like are you high 
what are you doing? Because it had been designed by um, these people who they were they were really arty and it's incredibly utilitarian. So they, they've got this tiny kitchen, no storage space. They had a microwave in the garage where they made all their food. So they didn't actually use the kitchen. And then right. one side of it is just a huge window. So one of the first things my parents did was they had to get some blinds because they, they were like, we can't live in this. It's like a greenhouse. A goldfish bowl, yeah. Yeah. and it was like um, it was like some kind of art gallery slash museum, and and apparently the the um, estate agents had real issues selling it, um, and then my mum just fell in love with it, and then I think my dad just went along for the ride, and it all turned out fine. But it's very uh, similar in feel to to where Carrie right. moves into. And to be fair, Carrie in the end does does realise this is not for me, and. They sell it again, which what a pain in the ass. Because and how what? Oh, also the fees. Yeah. Do you know what buying and selling houses? I don't can't speak for Americans, but in the UK, buying and selling a house costs a fucking fortune. Right, right. So good. How nice. How nice for Caroline. <laughs> Caroline. How nice for Caroline that she can afford. Caroline Bradshaw Nijinsky Preston. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Seema, can we have a special mention? Well, I already gave her a special mention at the beginning. The leopard print outfit. Mm. Amazing. As, as she says to Anthony. Girl, yes. <laughs> and also the styling throughout. For the first time in this episode, I loved pretty much all of the styling. I, yeah. A massive shout out for Charlotte's Gucci cardigan at the end. Just chilling in her Gucci cardigan around the house. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> oh, the money, the money. I love a label. Who am I to talk? But, um... oh, I think you're right, Dylan. That's one of the notes that I made that um, I really liked everyone's outfits including and this is unusual for me including charlotte's because her style mm. the pussy bow blouses and the the pencil skirts and it is so far removed from anything that i would wear or admire that mm. normally whenever charlotte appears on screen i'm like <laughs> make yeah. it stop but but this week i actually did quite enjoy what she was wearing as well yeah i would say the only misstep was when where they were, when they were at the picnic and Miranda's outfit merged with the tablecloth. <laughs> um, well, we'll come to the picnic. Yes. We need to do a whole moment by moment breakdown of the yes. picnic, which is the best scene. We'll, so we'll come to the picnic later. Let's stick with Caroline. Um, I can't stop. I can't stop now. Should we just call um, her Caroline she, from now on? Yeah, she's she's Caroline. That's her. her <laughs> that's her government name. Um, so she has again in this slightly bitty bitty thing. So we, we also have two other plots. So she, she hits three plots this week. So we've got The Flat, um, which reminded me of the long lost episode of Friends, where Phoebe falls out with the smirk detector. Yeah. <laughs> and she ends up smashing it with a hammer and it comes back from the grave. Um, shout out to Lisa Kudra. Um, the second plot is The Facelift. Mm. And the third plot is Seema and Diwali. Yeah. Now, well, can we do Seema and Diwali last? And Dylan knows why. Dylan knows why we have to come <laughs> to Seema last. So let's talk about... I have a theory that if a TV show runs for long enough, Jonathan Groff will appear. <laughs> it doesn't matter what the TV show is, even if it's an old TV show from like the 40s or 50s, if you watch it for long enough, Jonathan Groff will be in it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like, like Night Follows Day, um, Anthony and Carrie, I have seen some shade... On, online, I, I follow an amazing guy called Evan Rosskatz, who is hilarious. Oh, yeah. He's like a <clears throat> pop culture commentator who has lots to say about and just like that. Um, he tweeted, no, he, he posted someone else's tweet 
saying, stop putting Carrie and Anthony in scenes together. They're not friends. What do we think about that? Are there, obvious, Obviously, these are scenes which were written for Stanford, presumably. Mm. And now Anthony is in Carrie's life. Yeah, you know, I both is I this... both agree and disagree with that because it does take a suspension of disbelief to think suddenly these two are bezzy mates. However, mm. I really like the relationship between Anthony and Carrie because or Anthony sorry <laughs> and Carrie because I think Carrie has a tendency to take herself quite seriously and be really in her head about things which I'm not judging because it's something I'm very prone to myself and overthinking <laughs> and I love the fact that Anthony is so like oh get over yourself <laughs> she, yeah. she needs that sometimes I think we all need a friend like that in our lives to just take the piss and I so mm-hmm. I enjoy that dynamic on screen I think I I agree, Natasha. I think like big and also like big points to Mario Cantone. I've been really enjoying him this season. And I think his spiciness works really well against like some of the quite serious themes of it. He's a bit of a he's a bit of a relief, isn't he? Yeah, and I think I'm going to say I quite like that he's quite gloriously on PC mm. as well, because th- this show is taking its political correctness very seriously. Um, and so I quite like that he's on the edgier side. I wasn't sure about the Steven Tyler facelift line, but um which I could have lived without. But um yeah, I'm not, I'm not mad at it. And also hello, as we get older we get new friends. Yeah. And actually, obviously the the way they've explained Stanford's absence we we talked about a couple of weeks ago, we are mad at it. But it kind of figures that both of these people have lost someone they really love. Granted, in the show, they've lost him to Japan and TikTok. Um, but, you know, they maybe Stanford's departure has bonded them. So yeah. I, I'm... I also, I, I love that he doesn't let her get away with stuff. Like when she answers the phone and she says, I, I thought you were a phone solicitor, which I assume in, in America means like a cold call. Mm. And, mm. and anyone normally in that situation would just go ah but he goes well why'd you pick up the phone then and and I love that about him (laughs) where he's like no I'm not gonna let I'm gonna call you out on everything you say and Anthony he's been in her life now since 2001 if they first met at that fashion show when Carrie falls over on the runway he has been in her life for 20 years snarky people of Twitter I'm allowing it there yeah the queen has spoken Mm. (laughs) Mm. um i was gonna say it occurred to me that the last time natasha was on there was a plastic surgery storyline in the episode yes and now here we are again discussing plastic surgery in a much more evolved (laughs) in a much more evolved way i thought the way they dealt with it was pretty good i um, i found the plastic surgeon a bit um neggy he was doing that thing. I'm going to compliment you, but then I'm going to pull that rug from out from under you. I, also, it struck me as so ironic that the last Saturday um, on my LBC show, seven till nine Saturday evenings, uh, we were talking about there's a story in the news about a, a she's a plus size model, but she's not plus size in, in the real world. She just is by fashion industry standards, who um, was wearing a fat suit to model plus size brands on TikTok. 
And the, the reason that she said she was being asked to do this was because what brands want is a, a plus size body, but with a very slender face and, and neck. And, it, and wow. it struck me as so ironic that young people, it's all about the slender face and neck, you know, they're frantically contouring themselves um, to give the, the appearance of, of a hollowed out face. And yet you get to Carrie's age and you're branded a hollower and you have to have injectables mm. to plump your face back out again. That's the mm. ultimate irony. Yeah, and I wish... Mm. So my wish for this plot line is that we'd had a whole episode about it. but And so it's, it's weird to me that we've had this sort of sandwiched in alongside other threads around Rock and Diwali and buying houses because when you are a woman or indeed a human in the world, cosmetic... Um, interventions have become attainable to mere mortals in a way that in the 1980s things like a facelift would have been available to only the very very richest people in the world whereas now you know there are even non-surgical facelifts that you can have and for a couple of hundred quid you can have Botox for a couple of hundred quid you can have dermal fillers so these are things which while they're not cheap they are available and if you're willing to travel to Bulgaria or Turkey you can get them even cheaper so um you know this, this is a conversation that I think a show like Sex and the City should be having I know yes we did it with Samantha previously when she gets all the lines drawn all over her but when clearly let's not name which two out of three I'm referring to but two out of three of the main cast have, I think, been indulging in some cosmetic interventions. Um, I'm glad they're having that conversation and I wish we'd been able to spend more time in it. I did think it was hilarious that they literally used a picture of <laughs> Sarah Jessica yes. Parker. Like, I think, and I'm pretty sure it was like a season two publicity <laughs> still. I've seen that and on, I did, um, I... I've seen that on go- doing the rounds on social media, that the screenshot <laughs> of that. Also... There's a sort you just mentioned certain members of the cast, and we've had this discussion on the podcast before. Mm. People have brought up Kristen Davis. Um, it's mm. interesting. They, I feel, I felt like they kind of acknowledged that in the picnic scene when she says, Ooh. when she says Botox and a little filler are not the end of the world. And she's mm. also changed her tune, Charlotte, because last time we had you on, Natasha, when Samantha was having plastic surgery way back in season one, Charlotte was like, oh, how can you, how can women possibly do this to their bodies? And now, yeah. 20 years later, she's like, oh, I don't know, <laughs> it's fine. But isn't um, that a journey that so many women go on when they're young? Right. They they think, how could anybody possibly pay someone to inject poison into their face? And then they start to feel the, the pressure. And, and I thought actually it was really well done because it did convey the extent to which women in particular, although not exclusively, cannot win. If you're naturally beautiful, everybody assumes that you're stupid. If you're ugly, then you or, or perceived ugly, then you're invisible. And if you spend money in order to attain the beauty paradigm, then you're ridiculed. Those are your options. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's impossible. And I wish this episode had been about that. I wish that had been the episode about the ways that women cannot win when it comes to your your outward appearance. If, if you know, yeah, you're right. The, those are your three choices. It, it's, you know, kind of, and that these women are very much at that period of their lives. And, it, and it's weird because, you know, we've touched on the conversation around Miranda and dyeing her hair 
in part two, we are definitely going to come to the wigs. I'm getting a lot of messages in my DMs about Cynthia Nixon's wig situation. Oh. We'll we'll figure it out. Um, but um, yeah, I kind of so I I didn't I wasn't mad at the plastic surgery plot. I just wish because we said that when we had Stella Creasy on, we said there there is an opportunity here to talk about this, and they kind of they haven't. Mm. And and Charlotte saying there's nothing wrong with a bit of fillers and Botox isn't her saying you know this was a present to myself you know I could afford it and this is what I wanted um, and I think I look really banging is what I would have liked not this kind of halfway mm. quasi admission um which is again why I'm so upfront about the fact I've had Botox and fillers because I don't want people to think that I'm fucking picture of Dorian Gray in my attic <laughs> the, the, the reason the reason I look the way I do is because you know, I paid for mm. it. Um, and also, prevention is better than cure. <laughs> I'll throw that one out as That's well. That's important, I guess, as well, isn't it? To be... Not that everyone should have to be. Like, it depends on how comfortable you feel with it. But it's I, I, it's important, I think, to be honest, rather than make people feel bad. I remember, like, last... I don't know how I remember this. It was years ago. But last time, Natasha, you brought up... Um, Victoria Beckham, like, sort of saying, oh, I've never had, yeah. never had plastic surgery. And when you're a public... Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's best to be I, like... I think it's a morally good thing to do. Obviously, mm. it's, it's not an obligation, but I think it is good to be honest. But, you know, this is something that strikes me as as somebody who has always had enormous lips. To, and, and the beauty paradigm shift. So when I was at school it was not considered aspirational to have big lips. And I used to be teased. And I, when I raised my hand in class to ask a question, I would put my hand in front of my face because I was so self-conscious about them. Now I see a lot of chatter, particularly on social media, with people talking about how big lips look ridiculous and, you know, duck faces and, and it looks like a bimbo, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, can we not? Um, first of all, because your face, your choice. <laughs> but second of all, because my face has always looked like this and I feel, and now I'm feeling attacked <laughs> for the decisions that other people are making. If you see what I mean. Mm. Again, you, you can't win. Yeah. You just can't win. So, and um, it doesn't really, it, it kind of doesn't matter what you do or don't do because you are going to be ridiculed whichever way you turn. Um, it is a double bind situation. Um, and again, where was that conversation? That wasn't the conversation they had. Mm. Um, let's before we go to break let's talk about Carrie going to Diwali with Seema again my worry with um, with Naya and Seema is that they feel like they're not being brought in to the centre of the plot so they're kind of like satellites who are attached um, so they feel a bit separate and obviously there was no LTW at all this week um, so again it kind of feels like they are slightly they, they need to be embedded more securely otherwise they are just going to feel a bit bolted on which is a danger and then you you have to fend off accusations of have they just been brought into diversity boxes so it's really important that those characters feel embedded um i think che feels the most embedded um mm. but perhaps that's because che is involved with two of our main characters so they just feel a bit like more like they've got their legs under the table um Seema is celebrating Diwali. Um, a brief note. Now, this is really difficult because I cannot comment on this. The line about 
cultural appropriation versus cultural appreciation. Mm. I've had I've really had that conversation that. actually because um yeah. on World Mental Health Day my friend Poppy Jaman who is of of Bangladeshi heritage she invites people to wear a green sari um and I said to her I would love to do that but it feels a bit cultural appropriating and and she said well no it's about who's inviting you to do it and if you're invited then it's cultural appreciation so pretty much what Seema said Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would I would say that um I've had similar experiences with with a couple of friends like a Jewish wedding I went to I wore a kippah is it the hat the little hat mm-hmm. um yeah and similar th- I think it's it's up to I think it's completely up to them if they say it's fine then it's fine I would think I think that's a really good rule for life which is look look to the culture mm. you are appreciating and look for permission. I think that's a really good idea. Mm. And similarly, yes, previously when I attended a Hindu wedding, also I had Mendy done because everybody had the Mendy done. So I would have looked bizarre if I hadn't. Um, I got a real, um, so yes. I got a real, I don't know about you guys, but I got a sex in the city tingle when Carrie stepped out of her front door yes. in the Diwali outfit. I was like, this is oh, great. I'm really enjoying stunning. this. I'm having a good time. Um, and then them both smoking in the car in their saris. I thought that was a mood as well. Not that smoking. Oh, do you know what? Good, it but... it makes me feel sick because because I get car sick, and I think um, <laughs> it, the idea of somebody smoking in a car it does something to my brain. Every time they're smoking in the car together, I'm like, whoop! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At least the window is open, True. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Again, we're, we're gradually going to Nasima. She invites Carrie to Diwali because her parents are going to give her a hard time about the fact she's 53 and unmarried. Um, but <laughs> when I tell you I screamed, now I never forget her face. And as soon as we met Seema's father, I was like, it can't be. Can it? Is it? Like, is my brain being I racist? didn't clock either, Natasha, but Juno picked it's astounding <laughs> Seema's father is the Pakistani bus boy who kisses Samantha in season two no <laughs> yes. yes it is him now is it the same character though well, well interesting well, question <laughs> an interesting question so also I mean let's not forget the fact also Seema's mother is TV chef Mada I mean, Jaffrey I mean there's a name yeah. there's a name we haven't heard in a while <laughs> so what I've done is if you will allow me listeners now, obviously, my day job is best-selling international author. I've written some fan fiction. Um, and I thought, would you like to be my audience? And I'm going to read you a short passage from my new book, which is, which is set in 1998. I love okay. this so much. <laughs> okay. I'm ready. I cannot comprehend why such a beautiful woman would be so sad. Even in her melancholy, she is radiant. Reminiscent of the mannequin from the 1987 movie, Mannequin. I try to catch her eye. I am attentive with the breadsticks. I sense some fool, some rakish bastard has stood this siren up. How can this be? I offer yet more breadsticks. My heart aches as her heart breaks. When she retreats tearfully to the restroom, I fetch her curt. My shift is over. In this moment, I do not think of my wife, TV chef Mada Jeffrey, <laughs> or my 30-year-old realtor daughter, Seema. My mind is surly occupied by this beauty. Fleetingly, I kiss her 
or rather, she allows me to kiss her, one assumes because I've been so attentive with the breadsticks. I tell her, if you take me home tonight, you won't be alone. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Amazing. It took me ages. It took me a really long time. I, that is why they pay you the big bucks, do you know? Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. So I've decided we are now in the expanded Sex and the City universe. And indeed, Seema's father is the same man who kissed... Samantha. Samantha, all those years ago, leading Carrie to make a slightly racist remark about the whole thing. You've just reminded me, actually, I saw a comment online. Somebody said that they hoped that the entire and just like that series was a novel that Berger had written about what he thought can you imagine at the end it cuts to burger at his computer and he's <laughs> yeah. hitting like send on an email oh my god with hundreds of returned copies of hurricane pandora <laughs> behind i feel it. like i'm entering the matrix resurrections starring jonathan groff as agent smith <laughs> oh right I'm going to say, let, let's all have a little break so our listeners can dry their eyes having listened to that beautifully moving <laughs> performance reading. And then we'll be back in two minutes. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome back. Um, this week we are talking about, and just like that, episode six, Diwali, with our very special guest star, Natasha Devon. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure we have anything else we can possibly say about Carrie. Mm. So let's turn our attention to Miranda and Charlotte, and I guess um, Naya as well. Um, and really, I think, and this is, I had lots and lots of, me- basically now my friends look upon me as the oracle of and just like that, which I suppose I've known to blame but myself. Um, and lots and lots of messages about the picnic scene. It seems like the picnic was the reason to tune in this mm. week. Um, so let's break down this scene because gosh, this, this picnic covers a lot of territory. Mm. 
starting with alcohol-free fizz. Mm. I feel like Charlotte, because the first couple of episodes of And Just Like That, I thought, what has happened to Charlotte? It's like she's become a caricature of herself and she was really irritating me. And then I feel that she has three-dimensionalized, which is... I'm. pretty sure not a verb but i'm using it as one Um, (laughs) throughout and the fact that she goes "Mm, delicious it's such it's such a charlotte line and she's being (laughs) such a good friend that was the moment where i went oh charlotte's back yeah yeah (laughs) um and i'm glad that they so last episode juno and i were skeptical and a bit worried about because there was a three-month jump from last episode and i it turns out wrongly thought they might just come back and that Miranda's alcoholism was never spoken about again. Mm. I'm glad that they're still acknowledging it. And she, um, oh, and also they're acknowledging the fact that like, that they've they've clearly done a bit of research into like the nature of addiction because now Miranda's fixated on something else to like Mm. substitute the alcoholism. She's addicted to masturbating, which is great. Like, I'm really glad that this was one of the things I loved last week and I love again this week. We've got sex again, like, which is really good. There wasn't any sex for like four weeks. Mm. Um, Yeah. But also I I remember last week you talked about how she was likely to relapse and the moment at near the end of the episode where she's doing some washing and not to jump ahead and, and explore what happens in that scene but at the beginning of that scene I did think oh she's she's gonna have a hidden bottle of something behind mm. the fabric softener this is when she's gonna relapse I was expecting that mm. Mm. yeah similar I'm, I'm glad it's mentioned I'm glad it's not totally forgotten I hope we continue to mention it um yeah I mean the, the alcohol-free drinks thing um i noticed um guardian writer marina o'loughlin who is their restaurant critic this week talking about the slate swindle which is alcohol free alcohols and just like she was critical of the markup basically which is you shouldn't be paying 20 pounds for a bottle of non-alcoholic gin i mean let's be honest it's flavored tonic water you know kind of yeah. and i and i so I, and I, I see her point on that regard that, that that is a scandalous markup um but yeah we've got carrie carrie and charlotte being supportive to different degrees carrie very quickly says she wishes this was real wine um it is real wine carrie it's just non-alcoholic <laughs> Although that's very Maybe you that's very carrie that. isn't it to just like not <laughs> yeah. just completely disregard the other person's feelings um she is missing out on alcohol uh, yeah. yeah i also really <laughs> loved like you said natasha like charlotte's properly back this week like i loved the unexpected moment when um Miranda said she'd been fantasizing about Che and Charlotte's like, oh, I see that. I I get that. <laughs> yeah. And she had a sex dream about Che and they were on a ferry. I think they were on the Staten Island ferry um, mm-hmm. coming back from Staten Island. <laughs> um. <laughs> but can I say, I have never felt the absence of Samantha Jones as much as I did during that picnic scene because it would have been Samantha who, when Miranda said with Che it's the best I've ever felt it would have been her who picked up that thread and said let's talk about that let's explore this sexual experience this really significant sexual experience that you've had and I really felt that that element of the conversation it just felt like judgy judgy you're having an affair Mm. Carrie doesn't know if she's okay with it uh, and I and I thought oh, I just wish mm, Samantha was there. That's so true, actually. I felt it was again because because it was such a long scene that had so much ground to cover. It felt like the tone changed very quickly after Miranda 
um, confessed that she'd slept with Che in Carrie's kitchen while Carrie pissed the bed. Um, <laughs> still not. I'm still not over it, if I'm honest. Um, never. We never will be. Um, and so then all of a sudden it went from being quite a friendly scene to being quite aggy and then Miranda storming off. And I was like, God, give me, give me a minute. Let me breathe. Let me live. And just like that. Um, and you're right. It was, it was difficult because Miranda even says, you know, you know, to Charlotte, you're not allowed to have a big reaction. Well, you know, you've, you've actually just, you've given her a really big piece of news there, which is you, you have, whether you like it or not, Miranda, you've cheated on your husband of, 20 years um with a non-binary person so lots for people to process you know and you know charlotte has questions you can't if you if you can't expect people to not have questions you know and that's something i sometimes say to young lgbtq people when they write to me which is well Mm. you know you can't a you need to be patient and b you can't expect people to not ask questions um and so I, I must admit, I, I did feel slightly sympathetic towards Charlotte in this, which is Miranda, Miranda, this is a big thing. Um, and and I, I'm glad I liked Carrie going after Miranda when, so to break through the scene. So Miranda tells, so Carrie already knew, Miranda tells Charlotte about what happened with Che in the kitchen. Charlotte blows up and says it's a really big deal. Miranda gets in a huff and starts to walk off. But then Carrie goes back and tells her, we can't lose you as well because we've already lost Samantha. And that's enough for Miranda to return to the picnic bench and and rejoin them. Um, (laughs) My best friend's husband messaged during their watching of this last night to tell me if you look close enough you can see a rat jumping over the bush oh wow (laughs) i like to think it was probably a squirrel with a thin tail but audience let's all go back to this episode and see if we can see what my friend's husband saw which is a rat (laughs) jumping over the bush behind miranda (sighs) there were echoes in in the picnic scene of a conversation that I had in in my household because um, the day before episode five aired, there was a spoiler in the Daily Mail. And I just want to say, the only reason I was on the Daily Mail website was I was preparing for my show. Fine. Well, I mean, Charlotte Daily Mail as well, so. (laughs) Yeah, which, uh, I mean, that... That's not the episode we're talking about, but I have thoughts about that. Um, but yeah, there was there was this headline and it said, spoiler alert, and then it said, uh, Miranda has lesbian romp. And the word romp was, of course, capitalised. And I genuinely, for about 10 minutes, was trying to work out, is it a lesbian romp? If Because obviously you can be a lesbian and non-binary, but Che is bisexual. So... In what is it? In what way is that a lesbian encounter? And then they have that conversation mm. at the picnic where where Charlotte says, "So you're gay now," and, and Miranda goes, "Well, Che's non-binary." So anyway, yeah. I, I mean, we don't have to define it. I just thought I would share yeah. that I don't know if it's a lesbian. It's wrong. To the show's credit, that's the first time I've ever seen that dialogue on television as well. That I just realised mm. that. Um, I, I do not think the Daily Mail has any business calling it a lesbian romp. If if Che does not identify as a lesbian and Miranda doesn't know she's whether or not she's lesbian, how can it possibly be a lesbian romp? The romp, a romp only exists between the two people who are in the romp. And if neither of them <laughs> define themselves as lesbians, it is not a lesbian romp. 
there you go. I'm glad we've Done. solved that one for the Daily yeah. Mail. Um, <laughs> very little cherry this week. Natasha, I, a little dicky bird, you, told, told me that you are rather fond of Che Diaz. Shall we all do our... Hey, it's Che Diaz, which is the one that's doing doing the run. So many interspersed with scenes from the film Scream. So these are my two favourite things coming together. Drew Barrymore picking up the phone. Hello. Hey, it's Che Diaz. Amazing. I enjoyed Great the um, I enjoyed the dream montages in this most recent episode as yeah. well. Tell me you like it. Tell me not to stop. And Miranda's like, oh. <laughs> I mean that that sex scene was genuinely hot to the extent that I felt like they almost had to break it up with Carrie trying to pee in a snapper bottle to 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 kind of diminish the the pornographic <laughs> nature of it. I, I mean, I just actually all of the new characters. I I think I, I fancy them all a little bit. Naya definitely, Seema, um, but Che in particular, just oh, like fully if they were real. And I, and I know that there's an, an actor. <laughs> the animated it. character, but, the NFT, Che Diaz. Yeah, but if, if Che was a real person, um, uh, you know, I'd be rethinking my Ooh, marriage. Like like Miranda. <laughs> like Miranda. Yeah, yeah. Well, can we, yeah. but where the fuck is Steve? Again, where the fuck <laughs> is poor Steve Brady? Um, it's weird. He's, he's, was he ill as well? Have, he's, oh God, don't vulnerable or something. He's only been in three episodes. Um, two, two episodes. There's something so about there's something about Che that appeals to me as well. I think it's because, like we were saying last week, they're a bit they're a bit of trouble. They're a bit of bad news, which which I like. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Naya. Oh, also, also speaking of Naya, that her sex scene in this one was steamy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, was mm-hmm. great. Although I, d- I'm, I will probably come to this, but I don't understand the conversation that she had with Andre after they have sex. I, I don't understand what she yeah, was like, trying to say. Yeah, like you thinking about something that you're going, and then we never got to find out what they were thinking about or what she was thinking I'm about. Sm- I think I was playing with my phone during that scene, <laughs> which is really damn, which is really damning, and that's partly on the maker's fault, which is I. Yeah, I think I must have been checking Instagram or something. I don't know. I'll probably just try and... Actually, I'll tell you exactly what I was doing. I was trying to confirm whether or not Seaman's father was the one. That's exactly what I was trying to do. That's very important work. Doing God's work, yeah. But um, I must admit, again, with with Naya, it just feels like the storyline is so far away. Mm. Like, she had a fleeting moment with Miranda, something to do with building a women's shelter, and one assumes that's going somewhere as well. But, um... Yeah, and because we've done the IVF story with Charlotte, and because Dylan and I have done the IVF story really recently, because we've we've been following season four, so it's mm. kind of like I'm, I'm not hugely engaged, and and it's partly because it, it just feels really distant from what's happening with Miranda, Carrie, and Charlotte. And um, so again, it, but again, do you not think that the makers are trying to make a point with that? That because I've seen this, people saying we've already had fertility storylines and do I want a baby or not storylines mm-hmm. with Carrie, with Charlotte and with Miranda. But I almost feel like that's the makers going, yes, we are here again because this problem has not gone away. Yeah. And isn't it ridiculous that in 2021, we're still grappling with essentially the same dilemmas yeah. that we were back in the nineties, but Andre's best, Andre's best mate is the worst person. I found that dialogue quite like, um, <laughs> I found it quite believable, that dialogue, and also hated him. Like, when he was, like, mm. when, at yeah. the very end, when he was like, oh, a couple like you got to have kids. Like, ugh. 
Oh, just fuck yeah, off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is which is probably what Naya should have said. Just fuck off. Yeah. Get your yeah. fucking opinions out of my Him body. And fertile myrtle. Um, fertile, I did love fertile myrtle. Yeah, and she really is called myrtle. Um, bless. Um, uh, I guess the the only other person that we have to talk about is is Charlotte and Rock. Rock gets their hair cut, um, and sticks a big poster of the floral arrangement in their bedroom. Yeah. Um, the um, dolls. Yeah. I have thoughts about the dolls. The creepy little dolls. Go, go so, on. So, I don't think anyone would have an issue. I mean, I might be completely wrong. This is my cis white male opinion. I don't think... I can't imagine anyone having a major issue with dolls wearing different outfits. Um, I can understand that it was through Lily. It was Lily who was saying it. So, it might have been Lily kind of mm. being a little bit over the top. But I mean, yeah. Am I? But what do you? What do you guys think? I thought it was. I thought it was a bit of a dangerous line because I feel like with lines like this, this, this is the sort of thing that makes people resist against all this quote unquote again ban the word woke, but resist against quote unquote woke stuff when they see stuff like this and they think, oh, that's fucking ridiculous, and then they go and vote for Trump. Mm. Do you know what I'm like? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think um, we're back again to that line. Uh, that Charlotte says in this episode, which is uh, why can't people just stay mm. the same? And I think she's not only speaking on behalf of a, a, a kind of very definite demographic, that kind of waspy demographic in society who think that they get married and have kids and that's their happy ending. And they just want to put a pin in that and for it to stay the same. Um, but also I think she's talking for a whole section of, of America mm. there who are confused mm -hmm. by the direction that society is taking. And I, and I think you're right, Dylan, that, um, it, there's a there's therefore a responsibility knowing that that she's carrying the weight of that that section of uh, American society who will empathize with what she's going through there's a responsibility then to make sure that the conversations that she's having don't venture into that territory of ugh, you know why are we mm. talking about this yeah mm. what do you I don't know what do you think do you know um I think it's a tricky one isn't it because it's you know what those what those dolls mean to people who have felt oppressed by those dolls. They were felt misrepresented, and and Lily was the ideal person to speak on behalf of those dolls because there will be all kinds of expectations of her because she's an Asian American girl, which Charlotte will never understand even as a parent of an Asian girl. Um, the dolls themselves are from the past. They are Charlotte's toys, and you know Charlotte can't travel back in time and erase those dolls from history, which is, you know, you know, at the moment we're having similar conversations about statues, which let's, we do not have time to get into fucking statues <laughs> right now. But, um, you know, it's about what those mean and whether it's appropriate to display them. You know, maybe that Colston statue could have just been put in a museum, which is where it is now, you know. Um, and like Charlotte putting the dolls back in their boxes, nobody's asking her to fucking burn her shit dolls. <laughs> They're asking her, you know, her her two kids are saying, we just don't want them prominently displayed in our bedroom because they're fucking possessed, for one thing. <laughs> it's fucking Annabelle in the bedroom. Nobody wants that looking at them when they sleep. 
But are they the same dolls? You know, there's um, an episode, and I don't know which series it's in, but Stanford, Stanford yeah. has a relationship <laughs> yeah. with, with the doll man. The guy. Yeah, yeah it, they feel like it feels like it's the same. I'm dolls. loving this. I'm loving this, um, and I think it's reinforced by Seema's dad as well. I'm loving this concept of everything being like completely connected in, in sex like yeah, everything yeah. is linked like never you can never overanalyze anything too much um <laughs> oh, but no, no i think it's you know in the same in the same way that you know shops are called out for having those dreadful racist dolls which i won't name you know exactly the ones i'm talking about um you know and there are still i still sometimes pass by vintage shops or secondhand shops that are reselling them and i'm like Oh, is it like wooden ones Why? holding holding trays, for example? Well, things yeah. like that. Um, the ones that used to get on marmalade jars yeah, yeah, are the ones yeah. I was thinking of specifically. Um, you know, what? why? They should be assigned to the past, which is possibly where they belong. Mm. Um, and that's in the end what Charlotte does. You know, just put, put them in storage. Just put them in storage. You, nobody do, you think I'm, um, do you think I'm going too deep? Or do you think that there's a, a ideological connection between... Carrie and the facelift, no, I don't want to erase the past 15 years, actually. Mm-hmm. And if they show on my face, that's fine. And Charlotte putting the dolls in storage. Th- this idea that you can erase the problematic elements of your past. I can, I can see that? that. I can see that, like, Juno, a phrase that Juno, that I've learned from Juno that I'm now fond of using is first on the whiteboard. Maybe, like, um, the past or erase, maybe that was one of the first ideas on the whiteboard. Mm. She'll tell you what would have helped a voiceover. <laughs> and, and with that, and with that, we shall draw this episode to a close. Um, Natasha, you're one of my very, very favourite guests to have on. Such a pro, such a pro, always ready with the wisdom. Thank you very much for joining Thank us. Thank you so much for having me. I have a couple of listener messages, if we have time. We love our listener messages. Of course we have time for listener messages. Okay, so first we have Isabel. Isabel says, love the podcast. I'm a junior doctor and listening to it on the drive home from long shifts gives me just the escapism I need right now. So thank you. Um, She wants to share some thoughts re Miranda's alcoholism. She says, so she makes five points. She says in episode in season, she says it's in keeping with her character because it's had criticisms from some viewers who say it's not. She says point one in episode four in season four, episode four, Miranda has a chocolate addiction when she eats the cake out of the bin. So she obviously has an addictive personality. Uh, Point two is, as an overachieving lawyer with long work hours, she has structure. So take that away and add COVID and naturally she'd be reaching for a glass of wine. Point three is Steve owns a bar. So she's always going to be around alcohol. And point five is she's usually the one with the most control, but she's previously been challenged with an instance she can't control, which is Steve's cancer. So what happens when she can't control her mind or herself? Um, and then she says sorry for the essay and thanks again for the fab show no we like the essay Mm. thanks for engaging interesting you've just reminded me as well of one of my favorite episodes of so i got to thinking which is where you had sorry i've forgotten his name but you have a friend of yours who is um a cishet guy who's never watched sex in the city before (laughs) yeah and he's and he's talking about he said like Oh, I think Miranda, she, she eats a lot of cake and then she has a wank. <laughs> like that was his summation of her story. Arc. Oh my God, that was so, just just to get like an outside perspective <laughs> on the random ridiculousness of sex in the city was, was uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. One more from Verity. Um, Hi Verity. Amazing fact I thought you guys would appreciate. The average age of the Golden Girls in their first series was 53 to 54. 
Average age of Anne just like that is currently 54 to 55. Thank Lord for retinol. (laughs) 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 But I think they were playing up. I think that's the difference, isn't it? Our cast is playing down. The Golden Girls were playing up. Um, Natasha... Um, remind us, when is your LBC show on, please? My LBC show is 7 till 9pm every Saturday. Um, affectionately referred to sometimes online as the woke hour. <laughs> oh, um, no, <laughs> oh, no, no! <laughs> but no, really, it's it's just inclusive. We just have, I mean, you know, yeah. uh, lots, lots of voices on there. Also, Juno, uh, one author to another, I have a, a novel coming out in July. Wow. A YA novel, yes, uh, called Toxic. So, uh, yeah, look Amazing. out for that. You can pre pre-order now, please. Pre-order Natasha's debut novel. Um, we will see you next week, listeners, for I'm Just Like That, episode seven. Until then, do follow us at S-I-G-T-T podcast, and we will speak to you later. Ta-ta for now. Bye. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.